Hello, Gotta Grow Up Sometime listeners. Just a quick content notice before we begin this episode, we are going to discuss suicide. So um, if you don't want to hear us make stupid jokes about a serious subject... Hang, hang on a second, my thing is going off in the background. This is dumb. Hang on. Right when I tried to do a serious content notice. <laughs> Good job, Nathan. <laughs> this podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Crossing! I'm so sorry. That's okay. Anyway, um, you know what else was it is an amazing show? Episode 56 of Swan's Crossing. <laughs> Are you really going to use that as the content warning? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Why? Okay, great. I feel like I feel like um since it's not what Callie thinks it is, we should we should feel free to joke with it a little bit. This has got to grow up sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey. Boy, episode 56 was something, wasn't it? Oh my word. There is so much going on. There's so much to talk about. I can't wait. And I was high when I watched it and recorded my notes, so I have no idea what I wrote about any of this. It's going to be extra fun. Oh my goodness. I love I love I note Libby. <laughs> it's the best type of it's... Libby. Well, uh, we should go over your predictions from last week. Yes, please. Let's Here we it. go. You predicted Callie would pull Sydney. Wait, am I recording? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Listen, it's been one of those weeks. You predicted Callie would pull Sydney out of the briny deep and Sydney would recover on the submarine and they would start connecting. That was correct. Did I actually use the words briny deep or is that a a word person improvement? That seems like something I probably put in. Okay, great. You predicted that Glory, Owen, and Sandy would all be in the next episode. They were not. They were not at all. Barrick and Jimmy would have a scene at the Tool and Die. Barrick would discover his rocks were back and would say something snide. That was all correct. Yep. You can always count on Barrick to say something snide. You sure can. Mila and Garrett would continue their newfound romantic bliss, also correct and very, very funny to me. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> and Sydney would see them together and would continue to be very sad. That did not happen. No, we finally got out of sad Sydney this episode. Oh, it's so welcome. Well, eventually it takes a while, but we got there. It does take a long time. And um, Sydney's near-death experience would decide to her that Garrett is not worth her mooning. But maybe not because that seems unlikely. <laughs> Sounds like you were a little on the fence about that one. <laughs> I really was. Um, so let's let's talk about the thumbnail. Yeah, talk about that thumbnail. In the in the thumbnail on shoutfactory.tv, Sydney is soaking wet, leaning against a large wooden crate at the docks. Also soaking wet and crouched beside her is Callie, seeming to give the despairing Sydney some kind of pep talk. 
you can get a lot out of this one. Both ladies uh, make it out of the water alive. Sydney is having a crisis. I mean, that's unexpected, I know. Um, but there's a lot going on here. There is. There is indeed. It's very dramatic. We open on Barrick pushing his rad motorcycle into the tool and die. Jimmy's there. They make some small talk. And Jimmy watches intently as Barrick moves the rag on his side table, knocking the hot rocks all over the floor. This is the first time we get a shot close up of one of these little bad boys. And it looks like a smooth white stone with white crystals popping out of it. Almost like someone wrapped white clay around a couple of sugar crystals. <laughs> That's what this looks like. <laughs> and Barrick says, Wow, 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 look what the Tooth Fairy brought me. This is the opposite of what the Tooth Fairy does, Barrick. Yeah, I'm not sure what kind of Tooth Fairies Barrick associates with. Tooth Fairy takes the stuff away. Right. It might leave you a little coin or something. <laughs> wow, what is, what is the Tooth Fairy shelling out these days with inflation? I don't know. What did Barrick leave in that spot that the Tooth Fairy left him a bunch of weird rocks instead of uh, quarters or whatever? Great question. Great. Anyway, question. Jimmy looks at him with suspicion and we cut to the inside of the sub. Uh, which we haven't seen in forever. But Captain Walker is thanking a man in full scuba gear for his service. He tells him to go out through the escape hatch because they're about to surface and he doesn't want anyone to see the diver. The captain is in his like full military nautical uniform, which is hilarious to me. He is. And uh, I just, I, I the, this diver guy, every part of him is completely covered up except his mouth. It's so funny. Yep. <laughs> Dude is wearing his face mask inside the submarine. Even his snorkel is there. Like it's just, he's fully suited up. You know, you know what it is? This is Garrett's dad. Ah! <laughs> that's, that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe so. As the, uh, the frogman exits, he says, we'll be in touch. And then the frogman says, at least we now know you're probably in the right place after all. And Captain Walker looks thoughtful. And did you record this incredible line he delivers after this? The camera zooms in on him and he says, yes, the road has twisted and turned, but it all leads back to Swan's Crossing. And because because it is morning, I actually feel like I got a pretty nice Captain Walker out there. Like, it felt nice and low. That was good. Briefly, we see the insidious swan periscope floating on the water, and then it's back to Sydney trapped under the water by her own aqualic... <laughs> by her own aquatic folly. Wow. <laughs> I really wrote some good stuff while I'm high. Yeah, aqualic. You gotta slip that into a book. I should. We see... Callie swimming towards Sydney, who has her arm stuck under the rock. We cut to the surface where the swan periscope is looking around frantically. I love that part. And then back below the surface, they struggle with the rock and some kind of jet of pink bubbles starts spraying at them from camera right. Yeah, okay. Also, this like dark shadowy object passes by them first and then the weird pink bubbles happen. Sydney kind mm. of looks up in terror. I think she's seeing the sub going by, but I don't really know. Yeah, it's either the sub going by, maybe it's the diver exiting the sub hatch. I don't know. Could be. Anyway, we cut to commercial. Then there's the theme song, which feels in pretty stark contrast to the life and death situation that we left these two ladies in. <laughs> they're all of a sudden, they're like on screen, just like hopping and bopping to gotta grow up sometime. <laughs> it's really disconcerting. I love it when they do that. 
after the theme song has ended, we cut back to Callie like she has freed Sydney and is swimming her toward the surface and instantly we're back in the tool and die. It is so funny to me like how fast some of the scene cuts are in this episode. Barrick is gloating over his rocks. He says they disappear and reappear like magic. And Jimmy pulls out the keys to his shop, implying that it was Jimmy all along who both took and returned the hot rocks. Uh, Jimmy asks if he thinks, if Barrick thinks Callie took the rocks, and Barrick evades this question, essentially saying that it's no big deal since he's got them back now, and he's just feeling a, a bit grouchy because he had a long night. We find out Barrick purports that it was not a date. Uh, and Jimmy notes that he looks like he fell in a hole trying to get some specifics about what was going on. Uh, and Barrick evades again and says he's going to go take a six hour nap to improve his disposition. Jimmy is in charge while he's gone and he's supposed to keep an eye out for the tooth fairy. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. The only thing I wrote was Barrick acts like a giant butthole for a minute. Jimmy makes it clear to him that he's not impressed by his buttholery. I mean, those things are also true. <laughs> That's the, the Cliff's Notes version. We cut to a shot of the Swans Crossing Gazette, covering the face of Captain Baldy sleeping on the bench outside Swans' soda shop. He's dressed in a blue windbreaker and dark pants, and Jazz comes on, smacks him awake, and asks if he's okay. If you, I don't know if you have ever had the joy of waking up a homeless person outside your place of business, Libby. I have not. Um, but generally speaking, the first question, the first thing out of your mouth is almost never, are you okay? I think um, such, such encounters rarely go as strangely well as this one goes. Oh, so strangely well. Can we talk about Jazz's outfit? Oh, uh, we better because it's like in my notes. Yeah, you go. Dark jean jacket over her uniform with the collared shirt with a black tie. Her hair is blown out straight. And she's got, like, a black, blinged out, butt rock, early 90s cowboy hat on. And big hoop earrings. Yeah, huge hoop earrings. It's a great look for Jazz. It. She looks tremendously good in this episode. It's so funny. She uh, remarks that she has never seen anyone in Swan's Crossing sleeping on a bench before because vagrancy does not exist in this affluent white town. I feel pretty confident that the police arrest all of those people in Swan's Crossing. Yeah. She asks if he, he's okay. He says he's better now. It's been a long time since he's awakened to see the face of a ravished woman. <laughs> a ravished woman. And she seems flattered, which is hysterical to me. Oh, more than flattered, Jazz is, like, ready for this. These two are so hot for each other, it's hilarious. Captain Baldy compliments Jazz's pancakes, and her heart is conquered. It, like, I don't really blame Jazz. If you had a job where you spent all day, every day, like, working <laughs> with these horrific, privileged, rich-ass teenagers... You would, you would want some handsome stranger to come into your life and, you know, give you a little little romance. Absolutely. Yes, arise from his bench he's been sleeping on and, and sweep you off your feet. The, the conversation between them just escalates and gets hornier and hornier. And then, and then I wrote, anyway, just before Jazz fucks the Baldi's brains out, we cut to Callie and Sydney 
climbing out of the briny deep, half drowned and thoroughly traumatized. Okay, okay, before we before we go there though, there's one thing that I want to point out. The Baldy claims that Jazz makes the pancakes, and I desperately hope that that is not true. I know. Jazz is doing too much work here. If she is waiting hand and foot on all of these stupid ass like restaurant patrons, then she really desperately like should not be cooking. I hope they have some short order chef in the back who's making this happen. Anyway, so we cut back to the dock. Sydney's hand clutches the chain of the locket so we can see it dangling above the water below. Uh, Callie is climbing out of the water onto the dock. Sydney seems to be having an actual panic attack. Yeah, she's freaking out. She's frantically reciting her own name, first, middle, and last. And then she grabs Callie by the shoulders and declares that she is Sydney! Yeah, yeah. Callie keeps trying to get a look at her hand, which was stuck under the rock. It is interminable how long this scene of Sydney panicking goes on. Oh my god. It's like the directors just said, just improv it and just panic and we'll tell you when to stop. But they should have stopped them so much sooner than they did. Like, these two kids are just chewing up the scenery and this scene should have ended like three minutes before it actually does. Yeah. Uh, We get some things from Sydney about her never being safe and no one helping her and feeling like she's on her loan, all alone. Everybody leaves her. And Sydney finally collapses into Callie's embrace. Um, And as Sydney continues to whimper, Callie says, this wasn't an accident, Sydney, was it? And literally my notes say, implying an attempted suicide question mark? That's pretty raw for the Swans Crossing show Bible. I know, but that is indeed what Callie thinks is going on here, which which is like still in keeping with intense adult soap opera dynamics. Like usually someone dramatically thinks about ending their own life in a soap opera and then pulls themselves back from the brink. But yeah, they actually they they actually went there with this. Like the only trope they don't hit in Swan's Crossing is that somebody has a secret baby because like acknowledging that sex exists would be too much in the 90s. <laughs> secret baby. Yeah, so we cut over to Mila's room where clothing is flying across the space as she decides what to wear. She's standing in her closet, literally throwing her clothes from the hangers onto the floor as she holds Garrett's framed photo. <laughs> She's just carrying it around with her everywhere. Did she keep the old one? Did he give her a new one? I'm so confused. It's never explained. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? The phone rings, and she answers it, and it's the princess phone this time, in case you were wondering which of Mila's three private phones it was. And it's Garrett, and he says that this is her wake-up call, because today is the beginning of her new life with him. Oh, so gross. And then Mila says, you mean, the both of you. And of course, she is referring to Garrett and Chandler. Mila wants to be Polly. The look of utter dismay on Garrett's face is truly enjoyable. It's so good. He's he's just, he's like, oh, fuck. He tries to change the subject by, like, asking her what she wants to do today. She says she wants to sit in a quiet corner, someplace secluded. And Garrett says, just the two of us. And then Mila says, you and Chandler. (laughs) I love this so much. 
she wants him to compose a poem in front of her. Yeah, that's the plan. And I love, like, just the way she's insisting that she be in a relationship with both Garrett and Chandler at the same time. We are back with Bugsy Malone rules. Mila wants to have a threesome. Yep. Uh, We cut back to the docks. Sydney is leaning against the crate again. Callie's trying to take her home, but Sydney doesn't want Muffy to see her, you know, like this. So fortunately, the sub docks and Callie gets Sydney up to dry off and talk. This moment, though, is so good because Callie's like, look, the submarine's back. It's my dad. He's here. And Sydney, like, rolls her eyes heavenward and refuses to look as a submarine surfaces from the depths right before her eyes. Like, only Sydney Rutledge would think it's uncool to look at something as rad as a sub surfacing. Yep, yep. <laughs> We cut to the tool and die. Uh, Jimmy discovers Barrick's fuel line is leaking and decides to do him a favor and fix it. And that is literally this whole scene. And we cut from from that scene to sexy 90s fuck jam music playing (laughs) over a big stack of pancakes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The baldy's bald head surfaces behind the pancakes like Callie's dad rising from the sea. I I wrote a whole paragraph on this, apparently. I'm just going to go for it. He tucks a paper napkin in his jogging suit as Jazz enjoins him to dig in. She sexily pours red syrup on the stack. And Baldi hacks into the pancakes as if his butter knife were a machete. Or the very symbol, turgid and vigorous, of his desire for the woman standing before him. (laughs) Get out! Get out! His technique changes as he switches to his fork, thrusting it into the soft, yielding cakes with a probing delicacy. Jazz's pulse quickens. She wets her lips with the tip of her tongue. The baldy forks a bite of pancakes into his yearning mouth. Jazz can restrain herself no longer. She cries out in ecstasy. So how do you like him? (laughs) Jazz tells him, he doesn't seem like he's from Milwaukee. It leaves me wondering... How do men from Milwaukee eat pancakes? <laughs> anyway. I think soft yielding cakes is the title of this episode. We have a lot of options for potential names for this episode, let me tell you. <laughs> oh my word. That's so good. Friends on uh, friends online, uh, friends on this podcast, that is exactly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's sexy flirtation happening as a baldy eats pancakes and jazz watches it, it, yeah. it, I'm sure it probably flew over the heads of many young children who were watching this originally, but now you watch it as an adult and you're like, Oh, they were definitely trying for something here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing is when he professes to be from Milwaukee, he says, uh, she says, you seem like a long way from home and not so bad. And he says, I can be very bad. And she giggles. And she says, can't we all? You're kind of cute. I like your band-aids. And he says, it holds my head together. Oh my gosh. We we finally get to the point of this scene, which is Captain Baldy asks her about Professor Van. And we cut to the sub. Oh yeah. There's a voiceover of Callie and her dad greeting each other after their separation. While the locket with Sydney's initials hangs immobile behind a fish tank. I guess this is supposed to be artsy, like this shot. Um, that is the Nudebronk tank, uh, <laughs> Libby, if of you course. recall from 
from earlier episodes. How could I forget? <laughs> so Callie and Captain are greeting each other. The camera finally pa- like passes over to them. And they they both decide that right now with Sydney here, neither one of them is going to explain to the other what is going on. <laughs> and the captain decides that he is going to leave the sub so that Callie and Sydney can talk. And as as he's going out, he he leans in really close to Sydney and says, "Do you know that there's only one bone which differentiates humans from all other mammals? The funny bone." <laughs> Sydney's eyes go wide in like alarm or something like she and she like grips the locket like she's utterly terrified and then uh Callie asks if he's coming back and he assures her that he's never going to leave her alone again and then he leaves about this scene is so bizarre i love the moment where he like leans in super close and tells sydney this stupid dad joke and she just does not react so much that i actually like pulled a clip of it and i'm gonna put it on her instagram account it's just so good (laughs) it's so good (laughs) oh anyway callie asks sydney to explain what the hell is going on here Sydney says she was not trying to drown herself because she was already drowning before she even hit the water. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, she explains that her grandmother's locket fell. She leaned to get it, fell in, got her hand caught under the rock, uh, starts to panic again. And Callie asks, what happened before you lost the locket? And she goes, I lost myself. <laughs> and we have this pensive theme music and we fade to commercial. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> When we get back from commercial, Jazz is opening the restaurant while Garrett and Mila stroll in, and Mila will not stop bringing up Chandler. Yep. I love how Sydney, like, inadvertently poisoned this well. Her Chandler thing worked too well, and now Mila only wants him, not the actual Garrett. It is, if you will forgive, a Captain Walker-level dad joke. Poetic justice. But you can you can definitely see the seeds of JT and Mila dating in the the un the unfilmed season two. Yes. Because she's so into this poetry. Right, right. Like she she steals JT away from glory with the power of her sexy blondness or whatever. <laughs> so they they grab a table, Mila's like, I've never been around anyone writing a poem and <laughs> And Garrett says, me neither. Uh, I mean, I hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> and we cut over to we cut over to Jazz and Captain Baldy. She tells him it's $4.75 for the pancakes. He gives her a five and tells her to keep the change. And she like smiles and goes, you must be from Milwaukee. <laughs> On his way out the door, the Baldy stoops to pick something up off the ground. And he smiles at Mila. Yeah, it's never explained, it's never dealt with, and he just leaves. He just takes off. We cross into the conversation between Mila and Garrett. She's yammering about how she and Owen wrote Vision and Polka Dot Pink together, and Garrett sees his salvation. Yeah, he uh, he offers to, like, co-write the poem with her. <laughs> but she won't. She won't hear of it. She will not tread on his creative toes. No. And Jazz comes over and remarks that the last time she offered Mila a booth, she didn't want one, LOL. 
It literally took me uh, way longer than it should have to get the, <laughs> to get the joke that she was talking about Garrett Booth. I know. <laughs> um, it's so dumb. So dumb. Uh, she asks them about Professor Van, who they've never heard of. She offers them. She says, hey, do you guys want two pancake specials? And Mila's like, no, just one. And, and she goes, should I bring two forks? And Mila goes, Garrett can't eat right now because artists work better when they're hungry. So, <laughs> so like, she's going to starve Garrett until he writes her a poem. This starving artist bullshit is like one of my top, like top 10 irritations about what you and I do for a living. Oh yeah, for sure. It's really stupid. We do not work better when we're hungry. We do work better when we're high though. That's a real fact. I do not work better when I'm high. How do you know? You've never tried it. You're right. I, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Anyway, as Garrett realizes that he is going to be starved into writing poetry, he gets this terrified look on his face, and we get a brand new musical sting that has never before appeared on Swan's Crossing. I could only describe this sting as synth cello hungry boy, <laughs> which is also a pretty good title for the episode. That is true. Synth cello hungry boy is very good. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that at this point in the episode, having having gotten high, you were probably synth cello hungry girl. <laughs> I definitely was. <laughs> I bet you were like, man, I want some pancakes. I did want pancakes watching this all with butter melting on top. And also the pancakes are sexy. Yeah. Hell yeah. Sexy pancakes. <laughs> get over here. <laughs> sexy pancakes. Get over here. Is also a good title for the episode. It's an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we just name the next three episodes out of this episode? <laughs> we might be able to. Well, back in the tool and die, Jimmy starts working on Barrick's fuel line, and in the process, he dislodges a tiny little radio from the bottom of Barrick's bike. Intense music plays. He stands up, looking at it, and says, Barrick. He looks at the door, and then we cut away. You realize you have just removed a bug from the bottom of his bike. Why are you going to talk right into it, Jimmy? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, Jimmy. Right. Some, somewhere Garrett's former dad is like, who's talking to me? Back on the sub, Sydney and Callie are hanging out in bathrobes and drinking tea while Sydney recounts the history of her madness. Yeah. Finally spilling the beans to someone about the whole birth certificate debacle. Uh, she does seem like she is still having a bit of an emotional crisis about it, but is in fact getting it all out. And that's great. Yes. And, and Callie points out, she's like, this is obviously basically a load of shit. Like, I mean, Callie doesn't say that, but she's like, come on, you don't believe this? Like, this is obviously Garrett pranking you. And Sydney professes that she is all turned around. She thinks she's Sandy. Sandy is her. And then... And and Callie essentially like cuts right to it and is like, you've enslaved yourself to Garrett because you believe him. Yeah. Uh, and she wants her to essentially like uh, is it, go public with this whole thing. And then Sydney freaks out because the press would then have a field day with it and would disrupt her mom's campaign. Right. And Callie says, well, maybe if we can find the original records, then we can prove that Garrett is just fucking with everyone. And, you know, Sydney goes through the whole thing about the records being lost, but Callie says maybe they're not. Nothing's impossible. But she's most curious about why Garrett would go to so much trouble 
for a lie about Sydney, and she realizes that Garrett doesn't care nearly as much about getting Mila as getting <laughs> getting Sydney irritated, <laughs> which I think the two of us spotted uh, fifty five episodes ago. Something like that, yes. Uh, Sydney admits that she never asked for help from anyone because she doesn't think anybody likes her. My notes just say, maybe that's because she's constantly a bitch to everyone. Just saying. That's true. That's true. I mean, you know. (laughs) And then Callie calls her out and says, it's also because she can't admit she's not perfect. And Sydney's forced to agree with that. Uh, She says that she doesn't know who she is anymore and... Callie says that you have to go through a lot of layers to find your soul, but you've got one and I'm going to help you prove your Sydney Rutledge. There's this embrace and Callie pulls them apart and tells Sydney she has to do something important. <laughs> we cut, we cut to the hatch of the sub. And would you like to describe what happens? Sydney with her hair now freshly blow dried and looking magnificent emerges from the top of the sub. She smiles out at the world around her. And she yells three times in three different intonations. I am Sydney Rutledge. And then she grins straight down the barrel of the camera. Yep. <laughs> Freeze frame roll credits. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Oh, it's such a great ending. I love it. Sydney's back and she's not going to take Garrett's shit anymore. That's right. Uh, do you want the swan count? Well, who was our psychopath of the week first? Oh, Sydney. Yeah. 100%. Sydney out of her mind. Yeah, I mean, it it's, it's, doesn't even need to be said. Anyway, yeah, swan countess. Okay, so two new fake swans. We got, the, we got the periscope swan and the swan in the credits. And then two new imaginary swans because Lita is printed on the bathrobes. That's right. That, uh, that Sydney and Callie are wearing, which brings our running count to six imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 132 other swans. Oh, incredible. Okay, let me mute my mic and you can lay your predictions upon me. Okay, Sydney has a renewed vision of who she is and who she wants to be. She takes some time to like gather her thoughts together. Maybe she and Callie make a plan for how she's going to confront Garrett about the birth certificate. I don't think that that confrontation actually happens next episode, but I think they're in the planning phase. I think Jimmy has to decide what to do with this radio transmitter next episode. So he probably takes it to Callie or uh, JT and Neil. And Mila and Garrett spend most of next episode in the soda shop as Garrett continues to try to figure out his way out of this uh, poetry writing debacle that he's gotten himself into. And JT and Neil will be back next episode. I don't now, now given the storylines that are going like, we haven't seen glory in ages. I have no idea what she's doing. I have no idea where she fits into the story. So I think if she does come back next episode, the writers are going to have to figure out some way to like shoehorn her in as for Owen and Sandy. I don't think we see them. Okay, well, um, I I can imagine we're going to have quite an adventure next time now that Sydney is back in full swing in, in her true evil form. Yeah, yeah, she she is rejuvenated. God help us all. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. And let me remind everybody that if you would like to send in questions for our finale episode, we would love to get those at... Oh, you you want me to do it? <laughs> I don't know what our email address is. 
No, I'm, I'm just having people send them on social media. So like, oh, okay, great. So tweet us uh, at Gotta Grow Up Pod or uh, hit us up on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod. You can either like DM me or you can post a, a question for our finale episode as like a comment on one of our previous things, perhaps on uh, this video of Captain Walker telling Callie a horrendous dad joke, which I will be posting there shortly. <laughs> Well, folks, until we can see one another again, may all your pancakes be erotic. (laughs) Bye. Bye. brings you here to Swan's Crossing? Business or pleasure? What is business? No pleasure. Then have some more syrup.